mighty God he is. And what an incredibly warm church you are. And I don't mean temperature-wise. From the moment Debbie and I walked in this door, we felt like we were at home. You are great, great folks. We love that worship team, too. You guys did a fabulous, fabulous job. And this is my beautiful wife. At the end of this month, we will celebrate our 38th wedding anniversary. Yeah. Two children, both of them in full-time ministry. It gave us both two grandkids each, so we're grandpas and grandmas over now four times, and we're so glad to have family that's full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And uh, Danny and Erlene, we got to meet them in Israel as well, as well as many others of you, as what's already been amply said, and it was such a special time there. And there was a sense of connection. We felt like God would give us grace to do something together in this room. And I believe today is that day. Jesus will show himself wonderful here. Are you ready for that? He is. Did you enjoy the little three-minute video that we just showed you? I minister in the United States and in Canada about seven to eight months out of each year. And then we do international crusades, as Pastor mentioned. We just came back from one. And most of the areas that we go to overseas, and I'm just going to drop this out and move along, but most of them we go to are not areas that would have anyone that would identify with Christianity. Now, when I say not anyone, I don't mean literally not anyone, but the areas we go into are predominantly Islam. So they will be, uh, the city I just left was 60% Islam. The one before that was larger than that. So that when we see people that get the Holy Ghost in those services, these are not people that have been seeking. These are people that have no clue. They have, they have never heard the name of Jesus, or if they have, it's not within a context in which they would understand at all who he is. And yet, this Jesus that we know knows how to pierce through darkness. Are you hearing me? And there are no hard places for him. And he'll reveal himself. And, and we do multiple day crusades in there where there will be signs and wonders and miracles. That's what really attracts the attention of the community. Because here's what it comes down to, even in America, but overseas especially. When your kid is about to die, or you've got cancer, or you're blind, you kind of forget about religious walls. And you're going to go anywhere you can get help. Do you understand? And Jesus knows how to reach into the hearts of people that are hurting, not just people that are believing. you understand this? A lot of people don't understand this. But he's one that knows how to reach into the hurting heart, show himself with power. And as a result of that, they become believers. And then we'll have uh, those services. In fact, we were in... Uh, uh, Tanzania here three weeks ago and in a single Saturday night service the leaders told me they counted over 1,000 people that got the Holy Ghost spoke in tongues first time in their life you understand this and and none of them had been Christians by background before that and it all happened in 10 minutes now not the preaching we don't have faith that strong yet we preach a little longer than that but when God moved upon the crowd, they went from, I have no idea what you're talking about, to being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with the tongues of men and of angels right there. In fact, we've had two times now, one in the city you saw the event and on the, on the video where, where someone got the Holy Ghost, and they spoke in other tongues uh, to them but not to me. 
You understand what I just said there? Yeah, they, when they got the Holy Ghost, they spoke in English. Yeah, that's an awesome moment. Let me tell you, once in Tanzania, uh, yeah, once in Tanzania and once in Burundi, and then in our last crusade, which was in Dar es Salaam, which was over 60% Muslim, and the area we were in was over 75% Muslim. Uh, there was many, many delivered from demons, but one young man was getting the demons cast out of him by my associate that was working with me just off to the right of the stage. I saw it when it was going on. It was a teenage young man. He was extremely violent. We have a whole tent set up just to carry people to that are demon-possessed. You saw them carrying people out. That's what we have them do. Carry them to the tent because we don't let the devil on the stage. We, we put him in the tent, and, and, and they get set free. But he, but he was extremely violent. Several men were trying to hold him down, and he was screaming in English to my, uh, to, uh, my associate. And, uh, and my interpreter and his son was right there, and they said, you know, that boy does not speak English. He does not understand English. And of course, I wasn't there. I saw it, but I didn't hear it. And so I said to uh, Mark afterwards, my associate, I said, what in the world was he saying to you? The, the, the demons that were screaming out, what were they saying to you? He said, they were saying to me, I will kill you. I said, wow. I said, what else did they say? He said, that was enough. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Gotcha right there. <laughs> oh. You know, can I, I'm going to just talk for a minute before I preach. Is that all right? Can we just get to know each other for a second here? Can we do that? We, we, we don't have any etouffee to sit down and eat and get to know each other, so we're just going to have to do it this way. But I will tell you this, that uh, the miracles that we see overseas, it's that same Jesus that does them right here. And I love to go overseas, and I love to see the great things that God does there, but I'm very disturbed by people, Christian people, that will tell me, well, you know, if you really want to see a miracle, I guess you've got to go overseas. Oh, no. That is, that, is both, that is both an insult to the Almighty God. You understand this? And it's, and, it's, and it's ignorance, too. That's what it really is. I didn't say stupid. Some people get there, too. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about ignorance where you don't know. So they don't know. They don't know. But it is an absolute insult to tell this Jesus that he can be great here but not over here. There is no place that he is not awesome. And so the wonderful miracles of God that we see overseas, we see it in, in America as well. Now, unfortunately, we don't have the same hunger level amongst people in our cities, so the same crowds don't come out. But we see the same things take place right here. It's going to happen in this room this morning. One of the things that God told me when he first opened this grace and gift to me, and I was 15 years old when I started traveling uh, the nation preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus with signs and wonders. That gift of God came to me very, very early in life. I, I entered the kingdom when I was seven years of age. Can anyone say praise God for that? All right. And it's been a progression from there. The call of God into ministry. I recognized that when I was eight. And by the time I was 15, I was traveling this nation doing this. And he spoke a word to me in respect to the healing dimension of this ministry. Because there are three areas that God has given me what I call greater grace in. Uh, one is to call people unto repentance, and we see literally thousands of people. Last year, last year we had at least identified, I think there's always more than what we know, but we, we identified for sure 8,000 people that came to the altar of repentance uh, worldwide. And, and beyond that, we know for sure there was at least 4,000 that received the Holy Ghost and all of that, and then countless numbers of people that were healed and, and delivered from the demonic. But, uh, but let me tell you... Uh, he told me that we'd never have a healing service for what people would be healed. Now, did you hear what I said? 
He said, Dale, you'll never have a healing service for what people will be healed. But more than that, he said, and there will be those that will be visibly or identifiably healed. Now, June marked the 48th year of this ministry. And here's what I'm going to confess to you. I have never seen that fail to happen. Now, this service today, not all our services are healing services, because some of them are for people just getting the Holy Ghost, and there are other things we do, but this service is a divine healing service, and here's what I know. Jesus, the healer, is here, and people are going to get healed in this room today. Today. We won't have to wait till later on. What's going to happen in this room today? It's already already begun, but those miracles that we see elsewhere, we see right here. Can I just talk a little bit about what I've seen in America? Before we get to it, early part of this year, I was preaching in Florida, uh, in Jacksonville, and most of the people that get healed in our ministry today get healed as I preach. I used to, for over 30-some years, I used to lay hands on the sick. About 35 years, when God first opened the call to me, he told me, Dale, when you minister healing to the sick, this is what I want you to do. I want you, when it's possible, to lay your hands on the person where the problem will show up. You can't always put your hands where the problem shows up, but when you can, that's what I want you to do. So if you had a problem with your eye, I'd touch your eye, your ear, your ear, your back. I'd, you know, I'd put my hand on your back. And he said, and I want you to be gentle and calm when you do that. That's what he told me. I could preach with any kind of energy or animation I wanted, but he said, when you minister to people, I want you to, I want you to be very gentle, very calm. He didn't say meditative, but it was almost that kind of an idea. Just zero in, just re relax, be gentle, and be calm, and the miracle will come forth. And that's what happened year after year after year for, for over 35 years. Now, it's not that I think that's the only way God does it, or neither do I think it's the best way that God does it. That's just one of the ways he does it. I get a little upset at people who think that the way that God has shown them to do something is the way. And anybody else that does it other either ain't right or they don't quite have what they got. Here's what I think. I think Jesus is more than any one of us know. I really believe that. I really believe that. But I, and I value the gift, though, however it expresses itself. But for me, he said, when you lay hands on the people, put your hand, if possible, where the problem shows up, and then be gentle and be calm. Now, pastor knows that I work at the latter part of the life of a gentleman. Uh, I, I, Debbie and I, I, well, let's see, I was ministering for about 10 years when we got married, and I ministered as an evangelist for 22 years, pastored then for 15 years, and the last church I pastored was a church plant on the property of a guy by the name of Shambach. Does anybody remember R.W. Shambach? I, I, I worked with him the last, about, about the last eight years of his life. Now, if you knew R.W. Shambach, and if you don't, go on YouTube, because YouTube has everything, but if you go on there and you look at Brother Shambach, here's what you're going to find out. He was wild and woolly. That guy, uh, he, he, he knew how to slap the devil out of people. Uh, my mother used to say, you need to put a neck brace on before you let that man lay hands on you. And sometimes people look at Brother Shambach and me and they say, how in the world did you guys ever work together? Well, that's because we both respected the uniqueness of the touch of God within each other's life. Uh, but anyhow, he told me, be, be very gentle and, and be very calm when you, when you minister to people. He said, but, uh, but then about 10 years ago, uh, I was preaching a, a camp meeting. Does anybody remember camp meeting? I was preaching the opening day of, of what happened to be one of Brother Shambach's camp meetings. And... Uh, and when they introduced me to speak, which in a camp meeting like that, you, you know, it's high energy. I mean high energy. If you're not sweating by the time the preacher gets up, you haven't been doing it right. So, I mean, they're, they're shouting, they're dancing, they're, you know, uh, they're, they're waving anything that's not nailed to the floor. It's just been a happy time. It's 9 o'clock at night before they're introducing the preacher. 
And they introduced me. I come up, and I, as soon as I touched that pulpit, getting ready to preach, and I knew what to do. He told me, he said, they all want you to do a healing service. It's a signs and wonders camp meeting. We want to open it with visible miracles. Anytime you pray for the sick, something visible happens. Please, you take the first night, and that'll be it. He said, we have other speakers the rest of the nights, and he himself would close it out. He said, well, why don't you take that opening night? So I got up, I touched the pulpit, and as soon as I did, the Holy Spirit spoke so plain to me, and he said, don't preach now. But that's all I do. I don't sing. I don't play. My family all does. Not me. And I, when he said that, I was totally stunned. I mean, totally stunned. And it's a high-energy moment. So you can't, you can't come to that pulpit like you got rigor mortis. <laughs> you got to go at it, you know. And he said, don't preach now. And I, I thought, wow, wow, Lord, what will I, I mean, what will I do? And so I waited for the next word, but no word came. And so we had basically a staring contest with me and the congregation. I stared at them, they stared at me, I stared at them, they stared at me, I stared at them, they stared at me. That went on for several long minutes. Whew, it was really uncomfortable. And finally, and I won't go into the longer, but finally, all of a sudden, people began to stand up just quietly but spontaneously. A man right over to the very left stood up. I remember him well now. I don't remember the man, but I remember the moment. I remember how he stood up in that second row almost to the wall and said, I've been deaf in this year all my life. It just opened up. And I'm like, how about that? And then clean across the room, someone stood up, and they told what they got healed of. And another, and another, and another. And in a few moments, the altar area was filled with people, filled with people, who had evidence of healing as the power of God for 30 minutes went through that auditorium like waves and just cured people all over it. About every two minutes, there was what the Bible might call a notable miracle that took place. What I didn't realize was at that moment a shift had happened in our ministry. And, uh, and, it would, and from that point forward, I would rarely, if ever, lay hands on people any longer to be healed. But that the healing would come somewhere during the service. It didn't happen every time, though. It happened a big portion of the time in the beginning. It became more and more prominent. I began to ask God, well, when am I supposed to lay hands on people and, and when am I not? Because I still would at times during that time frame. About, there was about nine months in which this thing unfolded. And... Uh, and he said, well, Dale, he said, there'll be times you'll lay hands on people like I first told you, but most of the time it's going to happen. I'm just going to move into that room and begin to heal people. And, and here's what you need to do. You need to sit where you can see the congregation because I'm going to give you indicators when it comes. I call them streams of healing because that's how they look to me when they come in. They come in different ways, but that's how I usually see it. And it'll, and it'll be, to give you an example, I mean, it's just not happening, but like the gentleman over there with the gray shirt on, I'll see maybe just a flow of God coming like that. Right, this is just as distinct as can be. He'll just stand out like a weird Waldo or something to me. And, uh, and the Lord said, you see that? And I'll look over there and say, I do. I see healing for cataract. Just a flow for cataracts. And God will say to me, well, there'll be a lot of cataract healing today, but what you're really seeing is healing for eyes. That's what you're actually seeing. All right. And then I'll look around the room and I'll see something else and it'll happen like that kind of thing, you know, uh, like that. You know, it might be, I don't know, like I'll look over and I'll see a ruptured eardrum. And, and God said, you see that? So I see healing. On that. And it's not really necessarily for him. It's an entrance point. And so I see healing for a ruptured eardrum. He said, well, Dale, anything to do with the ear at all, equilibrium, it has to do with deafness, it has to do with ringing in the ear. You're seen as a ruptured eardrum. What you're going to hear is a great deal of testimony toward that. But that's just a... That's just the tip of it. And by then, then, what he's letting me know is that's how the healing's happening. So it's not just two healings or two categories, but it's every kind of healing. 
And so I, I was ministering in Jacksonville here in the beginning of the year, and, and God began to heal people as I was preaching. And when I got through, I just said, anyone who has evidence for healing, come and tell me what he did. And, and the front was literally was a large auditorium, sat about 900 people, and, and from one side or the other, people were standing shoulder to shoulder just to quickly say, I got my ear healed, I got my back healed, I got my foot healed. And uh, as that happened, I got right down near the end, as I got near the end on this one side. You've got to understand now, it was an evening service, and it hadn't gone unbearably long, but we'd had the song service, we'd had the offering, we'd had the preaching, and now we had a ton of testimonies. So do the math. You know, we've been there a couple hours easy, and most of the congregation, no one wanted to leave. They were all sitting back down, though. And I got to the end, and here comes a family that stepped up right while we were getting near the end of the testimonies because people will continue to get healed all through, even into the night after they go home uh, when this happens. And they came up, and, uh, and it was a mother and a father, and they had a little 10-year-old girl with them. And the whole congregation knew them. They were members there. And they told me, they said, you know, uh, a few months ago, about four months ago, our daughter spontaneously lost 100% of her sight in one eye, just like that, just gone. And the other eye could still see, but she had to wear glasses now. And they said, we had taken her to eye doctors, we had taken her to uh, neurologists, and no one understands why she's lost her sight, uh, which is quite frightening within itself. And, and they said, but they all agreed one thing, she'll never see in that eye again. And, and the mother said to me, so we're sitting there on the back row while the testimonies are going on. And I look down and I see my daughter. You know, she's 10 years old. It's been a long service. She's kind of distracted and just playing there. And she's playing and she notices that she's got her glasses off. And, and so her mother said to her, why do you have your glasses off? And her daughter just looked up at her just as simple as can be and said, oh, because I can see again. She said, what? Oh, she says, I can see again. All my sight has come back. Yeah. Oh, man, she's, so she gives this testimony up in the front, demonstrates her, that her sight. I, I turn to the audience, you know, because I know it's been, we're right about the last person we're going to testify, and they've all sat down. I turn around and say, hey, we should really praise God on this one. When I turned around, there was nobody sitting down anywhere in the room. Do you understand? They were literally all on their feet. They went into spontaneous praise that by my watch went for 20 minutes. It was 20 minutes. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's a miracle win in itself because people praise about 35 seconds, and they think it was a long time. But that went into 20 minutes of constant praise when God gave that little girl her sight. And as we was about to leave the building, another family comes walking up to me, and they've got one of these uh, uh, car carriers for a child, you know, the little molded plastic thing that you put a kid in to lock them in the seat of the car. And, and these, these folks came up, and they said, Now, uh, <clears throat> This is, uh, this is not our baby. They said, we are foster parents. And 30 days ago, we were given this, this child after the uh, orthopedic surgeons had repaired the broken hip that had taken place from the abuse. This was an infant. This is not a year old child. And they said one... And with the, even with the surgery, the damage was so bad, one leg was about two inches shorter than the other one that twisted in that, in that seat. And they said, we're not really sure when it happened. But somewhere in this service, if we just look down here at the end, we notice, well, that leg isn't drawn back short anymore. And they took a look, and then hips were perfectly mended and level and together. I'm talking about America. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about America. Now, I can talk about miracles overseas, but I'm talking about right here, right here at home. 
And, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wander just a little bit for a minute. I'm going to speculate, all right? This ain't gospel, but if you'll let me, I'm going to speculate for a minute. But I think I'm pretty close. Uh, you know, somehow I got an idea who set that up. Now, I know that family didn't attend that church. They weren't members there. They attended another Pentecostal church in town, but they were, had a lot of friends there, and they'd come over for events. And somehow I got an idea that could it well be that this Jesus we know witnessed the abuse that took place with that little child. And I think maybe, and I don't, I hope I'm not stretching it too far, but I think maybe he maybe had a hand when that child got put into the system. He said, I think we're going to arrange it now. We'll put that little girl right in this house here. Because I know that there's a Sunday night in January that they're going to come to a meeting that I have set up for miracles. And I think he walked into that room when no one could see and was moving up and down them aisles. Because the front of that place was filled with people that were testifying about it. But he walked, while we were testifying, he's still walking around, went back to that little 10-year-old girl and said, why don't you just have your eyesight back now? And it happened right there and went over to that that little girl who would have been crippled for the rest of her life and said, let me just take, take your hip bones and create them new all over again. You understand? No one was reaching out and praying. No one was speaking in tongues over her. And I say this in all kindness because I believe in praying in the Spirit and I believe in laying hands on folks. But I got news for you. I didn't even know she was in that building. But he did. But he did. And he took care of her that day. We had... It was a Sunday through Wednesday crusade. When we hit Wednesday, that family was there in the front again, and we were talking about it. I said, now, you've had a lot of time since Sunday to bathe that baby and get that baby out of them diapers and out of that car seat, and you know for sure now whether things are the way you thought they were. They said, oh, absolutely, there is absolutely no flaw or problem at all there. I'm going to believe now. Let me tell you what I saw when we were worshiping. When we were worshiping, I saw two strong flows of healing come into this room. And I mean distinct ones. I'm going to pray them out in the end. But here's what happens when I see those things, when I see them. God's never saying to me, prophetically, this is what's going to happen. He's saying to me, do you see what's going on? That's really what it is. When I, by the time I see it, it's already happening. But when I see it, it comes in as a stream. Somewhere during this message that I'm about to preach right now, that stream is going to go to a river. And I'll know it when it happens. And it, by the time I'm through, it's going to be a tsunami wave of divine healing across this room. I want to set you up for a miracle. Will you work with me today? Come on, I want you to open your heart for a miracle. Because if ever there was a time to get a cure, this is it. He's here. It's now. It's not tomorrow. It's not the end of the week. It's not some other day. This Jesus is here right now. And he's as great as he ever was. Do you understand that? And he's as great as he'll ever be. He's always been great. So why would we procrastinate our faith or put off for another time what is here right now? Right now. Uh, within the room. So please open your heart to it. Let me, let me ask you, say, Dad, how do I open my heart? I've been wanting to be healed a long time. How do I open my heart? Well, I'll show you in the message, but let me give you a little nutshell up front. Pick out something for God to do. 
Don't you say, well, I hope I get a blessing. My Lord, what in the world is that? What is a blessing? You sneeze in Walmart and someone says, God bless you. Well, what in the world does that mean? Here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Pick out something for him to do. Just one. It's like you only have one. No, but you've got to have one before you can have two. You've got to start somewhere. I saw in Scripture where Jesus ministered to a man, he was, and he'd been blind, and, and he was calling out to the Lord, and, and the Lord stopped. You all know the story. And he brought the man to him, and, and then he asked the guy a question. He said, what do you want me to do for you? And I read that, and I thought, Lord, he's blind. <laughs> I mean, what, what, do we need a doctor here to figure this one out? Do we, we need a prophetic gift? He's blind. But he asked the blind guy, what do you want me to do? And my mentor, one of the old voice of healing guys, taught me. He said, Dale, whenever you read the word, don't just read the word to see what he says. You want to read the word and get there till you know why he said it. Because if you don't understand his heart, you'll never understand his hand. And so I watch what he's doing. I read what he's doing. And I don't just say, I believe that. I don't just say, let me see what you did. I want to know why you did it. What was going on? Why would you ask a blind guy, come on, what do you want me to do for you? What, what, what? But I know, and I noticed that wasn't the only time he did something like that. And then I realized that Jesus doesn't actually minister to people where they have problems. Jesus ministers to people where their heart is open. Where their heart is open is where they're going to receive. And so I tell people all over the earth, you want a miracle? Here's how you get one. You pick one out. You say, this is what I want right here. This is what I want right here. You say, I can only have one? No, but it's too hard to grab 400 things. You, you, you start with one, Right? All right, now, preacher, you and I talked about hunting, didn't we? All right, so uh, we've done some uh, uh, some bird hunting. I like the bird hunt. All right, uh, and so what don't make any difference whether it's dove or whether it's quail. Or and I, I lived up north for a while when pheasants were up there. It was the same way. When a bunch of them take off, you don't shoot them all. You shoot at one. If you try to shoot at all of them, you'll miss all of them. You got to pick one out, and then you can go on from there because you're in the middle of it now. Am I right? That's how it works in the spirit, too. That's how it works. Am I helping you right now? Pick one out. Say, today, Lord, I'll get this. And then I'll tell you what happens. The moment you get what you say, your knee, I'm going to get my knee healed today. Here's what's going to happen. The moment you step into the place where the knee heals, you're now in the place where nothing's impossible. And you can pick up all the rest once you step in the door. But I need you to pick out a miracle right now. Will you do that? Well, you, right now, someone needs to say, today's the day my migraines end. This is the day panic attacks go away. Are you hearing me? Come on. Are you pick, have you done it yet? And say, well, what do I do then, preacher? Well, here's what you do. You look for something to happen between you and Jesus while I'm preaching this morning. Don't just listen to the sermon and listen to the outline and listen to the delivery. I want you to listen to the, to the voice. The Word of God. Because He will speak to you. He will interact with you. Something will happen that will cause you to know this is connecting. It may be a word within your heart. It may be a sense of a burden lifted. It may be the fear being broken. It may be the pain leaves or the fever disappears. Or it may just be something changes. It may be a sensation that you'll have because he does touch people. Come on now. He does touch people. So sometimes people tell me I felt the heat or something. Well, here's what I'm asking you to do. Look for the working of God. That's what I'm really saying. Look for the working of God. Look to Jesus. He's the author and finisher of your faith. Amen. And the end, come on, we're going to rejoice together, aren't we? Because we're going to see it happen in this room. Are you ready for God's word? Yes. Beautiful. Would you stand with me in his presence, please?
I have come today to honor you and to recognize you in all your ways. For you are the almighty God and there is no one like you, not in heaven or on earth. There is no demon that can stand before your presence with authority or power or even present a challenge because you are unchallengeable. Your dominion is forever and forever and it is without end. There is no plague, no sickness, no disease that can stand before your presence because they have been put to death at the cross of Calvary. They died with our sins. They did not rise from the dead. Righteousness rose from the dead. Not plague, sickness, sin, or disease. It has been triumphed over. I speak of you for who you really are. You are not just mighty. You are the almighty God. And I worship you in that way. I thank you now for the revelation of yourself upon us. May the light of who Jesus is in all of his fullness, the God of peace, the God of all hope, the one who is indeed the healer, the miracle worker, be fully revealed within this room. For if you will unveil and reveal yourself unto us, it would be all that we would need. And nothing is impossible. I worship you today. I worship you today. Can you worship him with me for just this moment? I worship you today. You see, he shall have come on. the greatest man. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You realize it's already begun. You realize it's already begun. The touch of God is already happening to people that will excel in this service. Because of the time element, and I took quite a bit of time to speak to you of the early moments of this ministry, I'm not going to read all the Bible texts, but I am going to identify them. And here's where we're going to start in just a moment, from the book of Second Kings in the Bible, the book of Second Kings chapter 5. The story is told in the opening 14 verses. I will not read them. I will tell you the story. I'm sure you're familiar with it, but that is the scripture location, 2 Kings chapter 5, the opening 14 verses is what we're looking at. And here's the approach I'm going to take this morning. I'm going to talk to you about three people who got a miracle in the Bible, and, and I'm going to show you the characteristics of how they entered into that miracle. Let me explain why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because the Bible says that... Uh, it says that we should be followers, this is a New Testament quote, that you should be followers of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. Have you read that scripture before? He said be followers of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. He's commanding us. To, now, you would, now, if you think about it, you, common sense would say, well, of course, isn't that what we would do? But if you know anything about human nature, it's just the opposite. People seem to be attracted to crashes, not successes. That's why your news rarely reports something positive. Because people love to see agony. I don't know why, but we're drawn to that, probably because of what sin did within our life. It's not Bible, but it's a statement that is very true. Everybody knows that I don't have to finish a sentence. Misery loves. Yeah, that seems to be that way. And you know what it's like. All those who do nothing love to get around those that are doing nothing so they can all agree that nothing can be done. It's just the way folks are. And I don't know why it is that when people need a miracle, they look for reasons why God might not do it. 
I even hear preachers preach that way. They will read the promise and then make excuses why it might not happen. I don't get that. And Christians, they need a miracle. Here's what they do. They go down to the religious bookstore and they find themselves a book that is entitled something like 16 reasons why Christians don't get healed. Ten reasons why God says no, or five reasons why we are to suffer. And I'm thinking, good night, man. Why do you want to read something like that if you need a miracle? So you do understand that you will see what you're looking for. Do you know that about your nature? You will see whatever you're looking for. So if you're looking for trouble, you'll find it. Am I right? If you're looking for a reason to be depressed... You'll find that. It's true, you know. But if you will, now listen, if you will look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, you will see your victory, you'll see your miracle, you'll enter into who he is. I'm encouraging you today to start looking for a miracle in you. That's why I said pick one out. Start looking for a change. Why would we look for things to get worse when the Bible says that the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter come on unto the fullness of the day speaking of the Christ himself being completely revealed I'm not looking for things to get worse I'm looking for things to get better so I'm looking for for how people enter into miracles I thought wait, let's just go to the word and let's find some people that got it and, 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 how, and what took place, and here's what I found out, that it's really simple. If you're looking for something mysterious and intriguing and deep, you'll probably miss it. The things of the Word are very simple. So three people that got it. The first one, and you know by now, if you found the text, happens in the life of a, uh, a guy outside of any covenant. A Syrian man, a general, by the name of Naaman. And Naaman's got leprosy. And I know we don't see much of leprosy today. It does still exist in the world, but not too much. And in some of my African travels, I've seen it. But to put it in the sense of parallel, it's not the same kind of disease at all. But to put it in the same parallel, it'd be like the AIDS of today. Because, you see, leprosy was a sure death. It was a slow death. It was a debilitating and ugly kind of thing. And they had, they had no hope for a cure in it. And so that would be kind of like where we're at with AIDS in this moment. But this man had leprosy. And a young lady in his home, there's more to this story than this, but you know it. Let me just hit the high points. She tells the general, if you could get into the country of Israel, there's a prophet there. And he could minister unto you. And you could be healed of leprosy. What? Healed of leprosy? You could, yes. You could be healed of leprosy. And so Naaman, you understand, he's a big dog now. He's not just someone that just barely make it in life. So he, he makes a trip over to Israel. He goes along with an entourage. He's got animals, pack animals, full of gifts to give this prophet of God. When he arrives at the home now, and I'm cutting it short, but when he arrives at the home, here's what happens. Uh, the prophet does not even get out of his uh, lazy boy vibrating chair. He doesn't put down the remote control to his Sony flat screen TV. I am improvising just a little bit here, just a little bit. And he turns to his servant and he says, why don't you tell the man to go outside and jump in the lake? 
<laughs> I can't have mercy on me. I'm going to go and brief on this. Uh, but uh, that's not what he said, but that's how the general took it. Did you all hear what I just said? Oh, boy, that's how he took it. Because when the prophet sent the servant out and said, tell the man to go to the Jordan River and dip in there seven times, this guy flew off the handle. He said, I cannot believe this. He's a top general. He's come from another country. He's got a whole entourage with him. He's got pack animals full of gifts. And this guy doesn't even come out of a house. He says he doesn't, doesn't greet me. He, and, and this is actual scripture now. I'm not, not just kind of playing with you. He says, I thought he would at least come out and wave his hand over the spot and call upon the name of his God. But he tells me to go dip myself in the Jordan River. Now he's really mad. The, the more he thinks about it, the more angry he's getting. And, and he says, Good, man, that's a dirty river. And it's not just it's dirty, it's cold, isn't it? Yeah, because we were in it not long ago. Many of us are in this room. It's cold, too. But he said, it, that dirty, he's dirty river. He said, if I was going to go dip myself in a river, and now he's really, he's going irate now. I'd go back to my own home country. There are better rivers over there that I'd dip myself in. And he's, now, he's, he's already taken off down the road now. He's done with this one. And, and as he's going down that road, one of his own come to him. And said, General, you're a, you're a mighty man and a successful man in battle. If this guy would have come and told you to do something really challenging, man, you'd have bit down and you'd have done it with everything in you. But he's told you just to do something simple. Can you, can you, not, can you not just go to that river and dip down in there seven times? Boy, it clicked right there. And so Naaman makes the trip to the Jordan. And he dips down in the river. You know the story. Dips down first time. He's been told seven times. He dips down the first time and comes up and you don't see any change. Second time, there's no change. Third time, there's no fourth time. There's no change fifth time. Now, I say there's no change, but that's not really true. There was a change happening. And this was the key. Because I looked at it and I thought, God, what was it that Naaman did that helped him get that miracle? And I'm going to tell you what he did. This was the change that was happening. Let me be blunt. He humbled himself. That's all he did. He didn't study the Torah. He didn't get a revelation of miracles. He just humbled himself. And I think with every dip, there was another level of humility happening. I do, and I don't think I'm stretching that at all. You've got to remember, he's not there alone. He's got his buddies with him that he's brought with him. You understand this. And they've been enemies of Israel. And I could imagine going out there and dipping yourself down in that dirty old river. Some of those guys were saying, you know what's going on, don't you? That old prophet's just making a fool out of the general. That's what he's doing. That's all he's doing. He's just making a fool. I mean, look at him. Look at him going down there and coming up. Coming up. There's no change. There's no change. And, and I think, I think, and I, I don't, is, I, the Bible doesn't say it, and maybe it didn't happen, but I have a hard time believing it didn't happen because I know human nature. I just know human nature. As he's dipping down, and he's already up the fifth time dipping down, he's coming up. I don't think he's just looking at his skin somehow, i got to think. What do you think? I think he's kind of, I think he's kind of looking a little back at his buddies and like, this is really, I don't know, what am I doing down here? What do you think? Well, he dips down that seventh time, and he comes up. 
Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There is no leprosy on him at all. He's completely well. What did he do? What did he do? He humbled himself. I'll tell you what I really believe. I, I, let, me, let me forward it by just simply saying I believe the Bible all the way. And I believe that there is a devil. I'm not, I, I don't honor him. I just understand he's there. I believe that there's a devil. But I don't believe about the devil what a lot of people believe about the devil. A lot of people believe the devil is the root cause of all their problems. I don't think that's our problem. I do believe we have moments of demonic encounter. I already talked to you about what we see in our crusades in that way. But let me tell you what I really think. I think the one that gives us the most trouble is the guy that we see in the mirror every morning when we get up. That's what I really think. I think. I think. I think we deal more with flesh than we do with the devil. Now, some people will not agree with me, but I believe that's true. And one of the reasons why I believe it is because the devil isn't everywhere. Our God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time and all at the same time. And I don't know if you understand this. The devil is not omnipresent. He is not like our God, except he's bad and God's good. That's not the way it is. The devil is not even in the same league. You need to understand this. He's not even in the same league. And that's not preacher talk. That is a fact. He's not even in the same league as our God. And, and if the devil is in Tokyo right now, then he cannot be in London. If he's in London right now, then he, you understand that he cannot be in L.A. He can go from London to L.A., but he can't be there at the same time. And people who think the devil's been on their case all week long, hear people whine and cry, the devil's been on my house all week long, giving me such a hard time. And I'm looking at him and thinking, man, you haven't won one soul. You haven't done enough in the kingdom for the devil to even know you exist, much less spend a whole week with you. Some of you think you sleep with the devil, but that's not true. So I want you to stop poking that man that's next to you right now. I see you doing that. All right, I, I, I get it. I understand there's the other side, the demonic realm. But trust me, uh, some of our biggest problems we've created ourselves. And, and we could talk a long time about it, and I'm not. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, maybe one of our biggest struggles is this pride thing. And if we could ever just put that down, we jump. Most of us, we jump right into a miracle because we've already got the faith. We've already got the teaching. We're already in the right place. We're just not. We're just not dipping down in the river. There's another guy that got a great miracle. In fact, I read this story early this morning before I came here. Just read it again because I love the Word of God. It's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 9, in the opening seven verses. Again, I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but I want you to look at it as I go through the story. John, chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. This is a man that has been blind from birth that's going to get healed. All right. Jesus is going down the road, and, and, and as he goes down the road, he'll encounter this man. This man will be brought before him, all right, and he is completely blind. The Lord is going to spit on the ground. He's going to make some mud. He's going to put it in his face, his eyes. Do you remember this story I'm talking about? I'm going quickly through it, but do you remember that story? It's right in front of you. Now, when he, uh, when he gets through with that, he sends the man to a particular pool, which is not right there. So the guy's got to make a trip. He's still blind. He's got now this mud stuff in his face. That means someone's got to haul him there. But he makes a trip over there. He's going to wash, and when he does, uh, he'll have all of his sight. And that's exactly what took place in that way. He, uh, uh, they're going to get mad at him now, the religious people, because religious people always get mad. You can always tell when you're dealing with a religious group because they're as mean as snakes. Am I telling you the truth? There isn't a sweetness in the bunch of them. None of them got mad that the guy was blind, but they got mad that he got healed. 
Think about that. Because he didn't get healed their way. The way it should have been done in their church. All right? And they said, we don't know how this happened, but we know one thing. Whoever was involved in it wasn't of God because that's not the way we do this thing. He healed them on the Sabbath day. They had to make a trip on the Sabbath day, and they said he can't be of God. That's one of the amazing things that I enjoy about Jesus, that Jesus knows how to work miracles with people who have no religious background at all. We think you've got to preach them into it, believe them into it, get them all studied into it, but that's not how it happens. He knows how to walk into the life of a person and show himself powerful, and they haven't figured squat out yet at all. And, and you need to know that's true, otherwise you'll only minister to one another and you'll never do anything out on the street right there because they don't know what you know, and so you think they can't get what you've got. But you got what you got when you knew nothing at all. Am I telling the truth? We didn't learn our way into Christianity. That is not how this thing happened. We didn't study our way into this kingdom. We became born from above in a moment that we had almost no clue about the theology of what was actually taking place within our life. And that's what happened to this guy. That's why when they drilled him on who did the miracle and what is he teaching, who is he, he had no answer for them. They said, well, you violated the Sabbath, buddy. You better come up with something. What do you know about the guy? He said, this is what I know. Once I was blind and now I see. That's all I got for you, buddy. It's amazing. I read, they kicked him out of the, they kicked him out of the church over it, you know, and then it's the next day that Jesus met him and I read it again, just made my soul rejoice. And he meets Jesus. He's talking to Jesus face to face, the one who's given him his sight. And the Lord asks him the question, do you believe on the son of man? And he answers Jesus and says, I don't know who he is. And he's looking right at him. What do you do with that? The Lord says, it's he that's speaking to you. He says, well, I'll believe that. Come on, guys. I looked at that whole thing and I thought, what? Whoa, wow, that's a great miracle. That's a great, how did it happen? You know what? There's only one thing you can actually tell from the setting. From the setting, there's only one thing we know. And that is the guy just obeyed. Now, you can go deep on this and teach all kinds of stuff from it. But when it comes to the point of the miracle... The only thing the guy did, now, now Naaman had to humble himself, all right? And, and he had to do what the prophet said, but he had to humble himself in order to do it. The blind man, if there was any humbling going on, we don't know about it. I don't think he had to humble himself. I, I think his heart was already there. All he had to do was just follow directions. I'm telling you, I think it would be an incredible amount of us that would get great miracles of God if we just do the stuff he's already spoken to us to do. We're looking for some new and, 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 and revelatory, and, and I believe in that stuff, but I think, I think if we just do what, what he's already told us to do, what we know to do, if we just do what we hear within our heart, we'd step into great miracles. And that's all the guy did. I mean, he had nothing else going for him. He had no idea even who Jesus was. But he just did what he was told to do, and he stepped right into a miracle. I'm telling you what, obedience will, will move us into our miracles of God. I'm going to give you the last one right now. There's so many more in Scripture, but this is enough because I sense that power of God already flowing real strong. But it has to do, and the story is found in several gospel writers, but I'm going to, I'm going to focus in most of it on my comments from Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 48, although Mark gives a wonderful rendition of this too. And it's the woman who had the incurable hemorrhage for 12 years. Do you remember her? All right. So the story goes like this. Jesus is on, he's in a town, and he's on his way to the home of a man uh, that, that 
who's got a daughter that's about to die. It's a very important man, a nobleman in town. Everybody knows who the guy is, all right? Big shot in town. His daughter's about to die. We don't, we, we don't mean she's going to die in, in, this week. We mean she's going to die in hours, maybe minutes. You need to get there now. And they make that appeal to him, and so he's heading toward this home. And as he's going there, of course, everybody knows who the man is, and they know Jesus works miracles. Come on, you don't want to miss this, do you? Absolutely not. So there, there's a crowd that's pushing him. In fact, they're following Jesus down the road. They're crowding him on every side as he's trying to move on, on the road to this house. Now, there's a woman that's in this crowd, unidentified, not named. She has got an uncontrollable hemorrhage, and she's had it for 12 years. She's gone everywhere to be healed. She's gone to this person, that person, that physician, and another. Unfortunately, no one has been successful. The Scripture says she has not only gone for 12 years to try to get healed, she's spent everything she has. Now she's flat broke, and the Word of God says, and she's worse. Am I right? Am I telling the story reasonably fair here? She's worse. She comes behind him in the crowd, and she's saying within herself, if I can just touch his clothes, the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She doesn't stop him. She doesn't come front and center. She doesn't try to interrupt the process. She just pushes through that crowd, comes up from behind. She touches his clothes, and something happens in her. Um, and the scripture, the scripture describes the moment in wonderful ways. I want you to hear it because it's happening in this room right now. The, the Word of God says that she came up and she was saying within herself, if I just touch his clothes, I, I shall be made whole. And so she comes up and she touches that garment. And when she does, immediately. And I love the language of the King James because it says it like this. It says, immediately the fountain of her blood dried up. You understand that? When he said, the fount- I talked to someone just not long ago about that, the fountain of her blood. In other words, in other words she, didn't, she didn't feel a little better on the outside. Things didn't just kind of slow down. You see, he went to the root of this thing, and he took it out. I had people come to me and say, I had neuropathy in my feet, and I can feel, I have no pain in my feet. I can feel the blood. I have normal feeling in my feet. That's, I said, well, that's nice. I got healed of neuropathy. I said, no, you didn't. No, no, I got healed of neuropathy. No, no, you got to understand something. He, something caused that neuropathy. Probably, or do you have diabetes? Because that's one of the great, great causes. Of, yeah, I, I, I did. Well, that wasn't a revelation. I just know if you got diabetes, you may get neuropathy as a result. And I'm going to tell you something. He wouldn't heal you of neuropathy without healing you of diabetes. Because otherwise, you're going to have your neuropathy again before long because you still deal. He went. Are you understanding? He went. Oh, my God. I feel it real strong right now. I feel it real strong. We are surely at river level right now. If you need a miracle, whatever it was, you need right now. Say, Lord, I'm taking mine. I'm taking mine. I'm taking mine because it's here right now. Jesus, it's here right now. I can feel it so strong. I can feel it so strong. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's here right now. It's so strong. So strong. I was, uh, I was, uh, I, I go, I preach in New York City a lot. And years ago, I met a, a young man. Well, we were both young. We we're both the same age. We're not. He's not a young man anymore, I guess. By some standards, he is. If you're a hundred, we're still young. But, uh, but he's a Jewish man. He's not a believer. Uh, was, I, I'm a camera guy. I was in his store and was buying a camera and. 
pastor was telling about the miracles that were happening. And he said, miracles, really? He said, really? He said, miracles. Well, and he pointed one of the guys at work. He had multiple stores in the New York City area, very wealthy guy. And he said, you mean, and his buddy there had a built-up shoe like this. And he said, you mean if he was to come to that meeting, he wouldn't need that built-up shoe anymore? He said, oh, the pastor said, oh, sure, that, that leg would grow right out. That happens when this man ministers. And so, they, so he packed him in the car. He was a single guy at the time and packed him in the car. And they drove out in Long Island where I was at. And, and good night, didn't it happen? God healed that man. He walked out of there, no, no longer needed that built-up shoe. His legs were the same length. And uh, these are unbelieving guys, you know. So uh, I never met the guy anymore that got his leg lengthened. But the Jewish man and I now have had a 40-year friend, friendship. Uh, we text within the last 24 hours to each other. Uh, we just keep close. I spend time in his home, and, and he will pack his car. He'll pack his car full of people and bring them as far. I've seen him go as far as Vineland, New Jersey, which is almost, well, well that would be hours out of New York City, about three to four hours out of New York City. Pack his car and bring people there to get healed. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? So anyhow, I was preaching in the Bronx, and he's got a friend that, was, that back in the 70s uh, was, when old, was, was a, uh, a quite a known rock and roller, and, uh, and, but he got, he got leukemia. And so he called him up, and he said, hey, my friend Dale's in town, and you need to come out because people get healed in his meetings, and, and you could get healed of leukemia. And the guy said, well, I just finished treatment. He said, I, he said, all my platelets are down. He says, you know, I've I got to wear a mask. I can't get in the crowd. If I get in the crowd right now, and someone's just got a flu. Some of you know what I'm talking about. He said, I'm gone. It'll take me right out. I've got to wait till my blood, uh, white blood cells are built back up again. So he said, I can't come out to that crusade in, in the Bronx. And so what had happened is I spent the night over at my friend's house, and he calls his buddy up at 9 a.m. in the morning and he says I'm here and Dale's here he says only the two of us and neither one of us are sick get over here so he comes on over and I, and I said well let me talk with the guy because he's never been in anything like this at all you know and, and we're not in church we're in a man's front room in New York and I and I sat with him for a while and I said well let me tell you about the wonderful things of Jesus and I did for about an hour and when I got through and he's a big guy one, a great looking guy he's about six foot three and he stood up and I said now where did the cancer start he said well it began here but it's gone through me and I said I'm going to put my hands there particularly in the back where he was suffering and I said and I'm not going to get wild or something I'm just going to because he's never even seen anyone pray for someone I said but I'm just going to call upon that name that's above every name and I said no let me explain and he said well, me and my wife we've been we've been hoping that this will go into remission I said well that's not the deal I said uh, my God doesn't do remission he does cures they kind of looked at each other and I said no no you, you're you're not you're not even thinking the right thing I said when he comes in he's going to go to the root of this thing you understand this and so I ministered to him and when I got through just very gentle very calm didn't raise my voice at all when I got through, I remember he looked at my friend Brad, and he looked at his wife. He said, I don't know what just happened. He said, but I'm surprised I'm still standing up. He said, something hit me and went through me like to drive me right to the floor. He said, I can barely stand right now. you got to understand, there's no music going on. I didn't raise my voice at all. He says, I, he said, I'm, I, he said, I can barely stay, stand upright right now. Well, a few months later, I'm getting ready to go over to Tanzania. Now, this happened in February of last year. And as I'm going over just before June, I get a call from his wife and says, I just need you to know that, that my husband, Mike, has gone back to the doctor. And they have done a full battery test on him. And they come back and said, we don't know what to say to you. But not only is there no cancer in you, there are no cancer markers in you. The doctor told him, he says, there is no indication that you've ever had cancer, period, or would get it. He said, I don't even know why you're here. But, but he does know because he's been his doctor for years. And he said, now, listen, listen, Mike's doing a rock concert in New York, and it's all sold out, and we got backstage passes for you. 
Jesus is alive. He went to the root of this woman's problem. He went to the root of her problem. But I want you to watch how this unfolds. And I, I, I probably should have pulled the text up. I hope you have it in front of you because I'm going to quote things from it that I want you to see. When she gets her miracle, she touched him and something happened. The, 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 the problem was healed right there. Am I right on that? All right. It was healed right there. And then, she, and then the word of God says something very powerful. It says, and she felt in her body that she was healed of, of that plague. So something happened that she could feel. She was cured. And that, that doesn't, doesn't always happen that way. I've had people stand up where they've had like knee injuries and they couldn't straighten their knee. And when I get at the end of the message, I say, well, everyone, please stand. And they stand up and go, oh, Lord, look at that. My knee's straight. And, I, and they, like, like, the, like the family did when they looked down at the child and, and, and the short leg was no longer there from the break of that, of that hip. But now uh, this lady felt something. Sometimes it happens in a way that you can identify it. And, and what she felt, I don't know because the scripture doesn't say it. So we can speculate, but we don't know. But we do know that it happened in a way that she could feel it. All right? And I'm going to tell you something. I, be, I believe in a God who knows how to touch people. And I don't mean that just metaphorically. I think he really does. I think there are moments and times. I don't think it happens every time this way. But I think there are moments in which God moves upon people and it's identifiable. They can feel that touch. They can feel that touch. And, and people will tell me different things. I, I, I was preaching in, in Kansas, and a man had a, had a neck injury, and they had fused his neck uh, to, to uh, secure it so that his spine would not be damaged. And so now uh, it reduced his pain, but if he wanted to talk and he had a, to someone to the side, he had to turn his whole body like this because he couldn't turn his neck to look. And he said, I was, while you were preaching, he says, I felt someone put their hand on my neck. It was about a 700-seat auditorium, and he was on the back row. And he said, I felt someone put their hand on my neck, but everybody knew him. The ushers knew him, and he thought, well, maybe one of the ushers are praying for me. So he said, I turned to look who it was. He said, but there was nobody there. Well, there was somebody there. He just couldn't see him, see. But he said, there was, and this is what he told me. He said, there was, I turned to look and see, but there was nobody there. And then I went, oh, my God, I just turned my neck. And it was just like that. His neck was unfused and completely normal. It felt like someone put his hand on him. I had a, I've had many, many people tell me they feel like a charge, almost like an electrical charge go through him. I have a lot of people that will tell me that they felt a great heat. Have you ever felt something like that? Someone with arthritis, I had an arthritic shoulder. It got real hot. You know, Ben Gay thought that he started that heat up process, but that's not true. The Holy Ghost and fire has been doing this for a long time. He knows how to fire people up. And it does happen. It really does. Well, they'll feel it. I don't know what she felt, but you know what I've learned to do when something, uh, I'm not necessarily looking for something crazy, but when there's something out of the ordinary going on, I don't think, well, that's weird, isn't it? I think, oh, Lord, are you doing something? You'll see what you're looking for. If you don't know what to look for, then you'll always blow it off and ignore it. But she felt in her body, and she's not the only one that felt it, by the way. He did, too. Because he stopped that day in that crowd, and he said, who touched me? You remember that? And his disciples could not believe. Now, pay attention to this. His disciples could not believe he would ask that question. You, you, what do you mean who touched me? Everybody's touching me. I can't believe you'd ask a question. There's a big crowd out here. But he's no, I'm not talking about this kind of a touch. He said, something went out of me. And the King James language actually says it like this. I felt virtue go out of me. And the word virtue there is the same Greek word that's translated in Acts 1.8. You shall receive power. It's the word dunamis. He said, I felt power go out of me. She felt it and he felt it. Now, I want you to, and I'm going to point out only one more thing, and then we're going to, and then we're going to watch this thing happen in this room. He stops and he says, who touched me? But she didn't respond. Am I right? Not right away. She pulls back into that crowd. 
She doesn't come up there and say, it was me, it was me, it was me. And here's the thing I'm watching. He's not moving. Remember I told you earlier, my, my mentor told me, don't just read the word to see what he says or what he did. You stay there till you know why he did it. And I'm watching this thing now. I'm meditating this thing. I'm soaking in it. And I see that he's not moving. He's saying, in fact, the word of God says it this way. It says he's looking around to see her who has done this thing. And the disciples are saying, come on. Everybody's touching you. I wonder if they weren't saying, focus, focus. Remember where we're going? We've got a little girl that's going to die. Hello, have you forgotten? Don't get sidetracked. we got, we got to get to her house now. Well, because he delays, she dies. He's willing to let her die. He won't move. Now, he does go raise her from the dead. Because they didn't understand. They thought he was just a healer. They didn't know there's nothing impossible with him. He's the resurrection and the life. But he stays there long enough that she dies. And I'm saying, why? The girl's already healed. Am I right? The bleeding's already stopped. What's the point here? There is a point. Boy, you need to know it. You need to know it. It'll change your life. I'm tired of people saying, God bless me on Sunday and the devil beat it out of me on Monday. Are you hearing me? God healed me, but then the devil stole my healing. What in the world is that all about? I'm watching him now, and he says, who touched me? And she doesn't step up. And the disciples try to change his approach and say, let's keep going. But he won't. He won't. He sticks there until finally she comes forward. She comes forward trembling. So I see she has to push through her fear of owning what has happened. And she comes before him, and I love the language of Scripture because this is what one of the gospel writers says about it. It says she came before him trembling and, listen to this, and told him all the truth. Don't miss that language. It'll change your heart and your life. She told, didn't tell him the story, didn't tell him about her illness. She told him all the truth. When she does, the next words that you'll read from the gospel writers is he will speak of peace, he will speak of faith, and then he'll say something very key. He'll say, go and be healed of your plague. And I'm saying, whoa, 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 wait just a minute. What do you mean, go and be healed? She's already healed. Is this true? Yes, the bleeding's already stopped. He went right to the root of it and took care of it. She felt it. He felt it. She's already healed. What do you, what do you mean, and be healed? She's, all, she's already healed. I didn't understand for a long time what just took place. But then I understood. You see the language of the Scripture there. When I say the language, I'm talking about the way the Greek flows. It's, it's the same kind of phrase or verbiage that's used in another New, pa- New Testament passage, and you're all familiar with it, where it says, Be not filled with wine wherein is excess. But now, and the English translations all say it this way, and they say it this way because this is the way our grammar f- 
functions. It, it doesn't, you know, grammar in one language does not always function the same in another. So when we translate, it's rarely word for word. If we did it word for word, then, then a lot of the, the, the verbs, the adjectives, the nouns would be all screwed up in the way that we read and the way that we talk. But the way, it, so we read it this way, and we translate it always this way. It says, be not filled with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. But the verbiage in the Greek is actually a continuing type of flow, and so it would be better rendered, but it would be redundant in our language, so we don't say it this way, but it would be better rendered this way. We would say, but be being filled with the Spirit. So it's not a moment of being filled. It's a lifestyle of being full of the Holy Ghost. That's the idea that he's given, but we don't have the kind of grammar that would, would record it quite that way. And that's the way he was speaking. When she came, when he, when he kept saying, who is it that touched me, who is it that touched me, and she wasn't willing to come up, he kept pushing for it because he was doing something. Watch this. He was locking in her miracle. You hear what I just said? He's locking in her miracle. He's doing something right now that what he does here will be the same tomorrow and the next day and the next day. That's what he's doing right there. That's why he won't budge. That's why he won't budge. She had to press through to the moment and own her miracle. She had to press through. Look, Naaman had to humble himself. The blind man had to obey. The woman had to push through. Now, we talk about her pushing through the crowd, and she did. But, man, there was a lot more she pushed through. She pushed through 12 years of disappointments, 12 years of trying and nothing happening. She had to push through that to get to the point of that miracle. She had to push through the religion of her day that would not let a woman come and touch a rabbi and would not let someone with a disease like her go into a crowd. She was violating the health laws and the religious laws and the cultural laws of her day, but she pushed through all of that. But finally, she even though the miracle had happened, she had to push through her of stepping up and say it was me and I got it the Bible says let the redeemed of the Lord that's right not think about it and not pray about it for a week and see if it's so there's something about the moment in which you enter the presence of the miraculous that you need to own that moment right there Come on, when you got the Holy Ghost, it was time right now on the spot to say, I got the Holy Ghost. Am I right? Not, not, I'll live it for a month and I'll let you know if it was really true right, right now. And there's something supernatural that happens in that moment. The Bible says in reference to the devil that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by... Okay, and there's even more. But I want you to pay attention to this. They overcame the devil. How? How? First, it was by the blood. All right? By the blood of the Lamb. Something you had nothing to do with. A sacrifice that was made for you that you were included in. Hello? Before you were even born. But there was something else. Someone said, well, all you need is the blood. Well, evidently you needed more because there was more mentioned. They overcame him, the Satan. In the book of the Revelation, it says this, by the blood of the Lamb. But it says by the word of their testimony. Now, I'm going to take you there because this is the sealing moment for you. God told me, Dale, if you'll seal these things, the devil will never, never be able to steal them. And I didn't understand the testimony because what we've done in Christianity all along is we've taken Bible things that are true and we build a cultural idea around them religiously. And we don't completely, completely go completely out of line from what that scripture is saying, but we lose that sometimes the real point of it. 
And the testimony has become that way in a church today. Because in most churches, what a testimony is is a thank you moment. In fact, we used to have, in the old-time church, we used to have testimony services. Remember those? And they were just, well, someone thank the Lord. Well, someone like to give testimony. We get up and we say, I want to thank God for doing this and doing that. But the word testimony in this setting has nothing to do with a thank you. It can be done in a thank you sense, but it's not about a thank you moment. It's a court of law that's taking place. Where they overcame him by the blood was in the court where he's making the accusation. And he's standing before the Almighty and he's making the accusation. And this is what the scripture says, but they overcame him by. And here's how it came through. Through the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So it comes into this way. Listen to what the testimony is. You must understand this if you're going to overcome the devil. I don't want anyone getting a touch of God in this service today and not having that same touch in them by Tuesday. This is what happened. It would be as if, and watch my language now because you're going to associate. It'd be as if that you were a witness today of an incident that happened in this city. Maybe a crime, maybe an accident, but you were a witness of that, and therefore you are brought to court. You didn't do it, but you are brought to court. And in that court, you have got a prosecutor, and he's making the accusation. You've got a defense attorney. He is making his presentation, but you're the witness, and everything hinges on your testimony. Are you listening to my language? And the judge asks for you to come to the witness stand. Now, let me tell you what you are. Someone says, well, I'm a prophet. Someone says, I'm a deacon. Someone says, I'm a pastor. Let me tell you what you really are. You're a witness. And the witness doesn't mean I tell people about Jesus. I witness. I knock on their door. Well, that's true, but that's not the whole idea. You are a witness. And the request is going to be made. Were you there when it happened? And then you're going to give testimony. If you go to a court today in this area and you're asked to testify, if you stood there and you started out by saying, I just want to take a moment today and thank the judge and everybody on the jury and all you in the audience and bailiff too, for this moment, they're going to look at you and say, good night, man, what's wrong with him? Has he freaked out? Here's what they're going to want to know. What did you see and what took place? And this is the testimony. You need to be able to stand there in that moment and say, do you see the blood sacrifice there? Do you see those sins that were there? Those were my sins. They were nailed to that cross. They were covered by his blood. I am a witness to the fact that he saved me. That's it right there. That's it right there. And when that testimony comes out, you've just cut the legs out from under the devil. At that point, the prosecutor just throws his hands up and says, can't do anything with this anymore. Huh? Because the case is won or lost in that moment. You need to be able to look at the blood sacrifice and say, do you see that right there? That was my arthritis right there. You see that right there? You see that cancer? You, you see that? That was my cancer right there. That was that. That was put at the cross that day. He bore that in his own body at the tree. It was put to death. Here's my testimony. By his stripes, I am healed. If you believe Jesus can heal you, you're going to stay sick the rest of your life. 
you need to come to the point where you have the encounter with this Christ the healer. You need to look at that sacrifice. And in the light of that revelation, he's no longer, you've got to understand, he's no longer the Savior of the world. He's my Savior. You understand my language? He's no longer the Lord. He's my Lord. That's what happened to you when you got the Holy Ghost. Am I right? He wasn't going to be Lord. It wasn't a matter of when you die, you'll know. You know right there. Something happened between you and him that caused you to know that you know. Would you stand with me all over the room? All over this room, miracles have been taking place all morning long. Every kind of illness, pain, disease, he has been healing. I want to lock it in today. Did you hear what I just said? I want to lock it in. Before we go, I want to lock it in. I don't want to, I want to send you out here and say, I hope and pray. You all, I believe you all got something. You know, why don't you email me and let me know someday what you got. No, no, no. No, no. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to overcome the devil. The blood of a lamb has provided it. And, I'll, and here's what I want to do. I want, you to have a, I, want to, I want you to have a personal witness moment. Just like you did when you entered the kingdom and became born from above. There was a witness within that caused you to know it. So let's go for that right now. I'm going to walk you through your miracle. Are you ready? Here's what I want you to do. Whatever it was that you wanted God to do for you today, whatever. Now listen to me. I'm walking you right through this thing. It's very simple. Whatever it was that you wanted God for you to do today, I want you to take the next few moments with me. We're not going to sing, but we are going to praise. You all know how to praise, don't you? I want you to worship Him. I don't want, now, now I'm going to give you specific directions. I don't want you to give Him generic praise. You say, what do you mean, preacher? I don't want just any thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, bless you, Lord, none of that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to worship Him for who He is in keeping with what that need was. In other words, if your need, you say, Dale, I didn't ask for a healing. I, I, I just can't pay my bills. I, I'm going to lose my house or whatever. And so I was believing God for a financial miracle. Great. And this is what I want you to do. In the next few moments, I want you to begin to honor him for being Jehovah Jireh, El Shaddai. You understand what I just said? All right. I know you're in great teaching. You're in a house of great teaching. He's my provider, and he's more than enough. I want you to go ahead and tell him here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And don't, don't tell him about the need. Tell him who he is. Worship him. Worship him. I want you to worship him. If, you, if it was a nerve thing, you know, maybe it's emotional. Maybe you say, Dale, I'm just, I'm just troubled all the time. I was believing God for peace of mind. Good. Then tell him he's the, he's the wonderful counselor. Tell him he's the prince of peace. Worship him and that exalt him. Because something supernatural happens between a person and God when they begin to worship. You enter his gates with... Uh And his courts with, don't ever forget it. You don't get in with whining and crying and complaining. You get in by praising. And everybody knows that that's ever praised the Lord. There's something wonderful that happens in the atmosphere. You enter the very presence of the one with whom nothing is impossible. The the Bible says that God inhabits the, uh uh-huh, the praises of his people or Israel. He inhabits. The word inhabits in in the Hebrew means he is enthroned. That means his kingdom power comes. His kingdom power comes. So what I'm learning to do is when I got an issue or a problem, not to complain about the problem, not to just say God all about the problem, but to go right into the middle of that thing and then tell God who he is. Who he is. And as I begin to worship and bless him, his manifest presence comes. 
right there. And when the throne of God breaks through into a setting, everything bows. Some of you have already got your miracle. All you need to do is look for it. Your neck already moves better. Your hand feels great. Your back doesn't hurt. Your foot was wonderful or whatever it was. Chest pressure left. But others, you're going to get it right now. So as you worship, and let's not be in a rush. I know we're going a little over, but let's not be in a rush. We're in a miracle moment. It's going to change your life forever. Would you just lift your hands and begin to bless him? Just a keyboard in the background softly. No singing. Let us just worship the king. I want you to really do it, though. I want you to get there. Go there right now. Go there right now. Whatever it is you needed, whatever you desired, there's a direction in your life. He's the guide. He's the guide. Come on. As many as are the children of God, they're the lad of God. Oh, Lord, we're children of yours. We need leadership, and that's ours, right? You need wisdom. Go ahead and tell them. You're the God of all wisdom. That's who you are. You you are wisdom personified. That's who you are. I exalt you. We will not be in a lack of understanding or wisdom. And for those of you that need healing, it's here right now and it's coming strong. Come on. It's here right now and it's coming strong. Bless him for who he is. You're the one that bore all of our sicknesses and carried away all of our diseases. That's what happened at the cross of Calvary. By your stripes, we are absolutely, entirely, completely healed. I exalt you in that way. The one with whom nothing is impossible. The great physician you are. The one whom the scripture of old would say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. All of them. All of them. That's what you've done. That's what you're doing. I exalt you. Forgiven all, all, all my iniquities. And who heals all, all our diseases. I worship you. But that's who you are. Come on, miracles are happening right now. Grab yours, own it, own it. And as it comes to you, come on, do it, do it. Say, Lord, I got that one. That's what that lady had to do. Not I hope they get it, not I'll see in a week. Own it right there. If it's really happening in you, you need to own it. Something's going on that you can tell. There's a witness within your spirit. There's a feeling upon your body. I don't know. It comes different ways to different people. But somehow this God comes personally to Paul's. Receive your gift in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It's the only name. Receive it right now. In Jesus' name. My God. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray out. I saw streams of healing in this room. There, it's like a tsunami now, but I saw specific things I'm going to pray out. may not be your need, but those of you that got it will know and you'll get your miracle. Most of you have already got it in these areas. But I saw the flow of God come in from what would be my left side of the building, your right side. I saw it come in real strong, and it was for the healing of floaters. Floaters. Now listen, you're, most of you out there saying, I don't know what a floater is. That's because you don't have them. But if you got them, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's that stuff in the eyes that floats around, looks like looks like like little specks that are flowing around. I saw I saw distinct healing. It came to me just strong right away. God said, "I'm healing floaters today." And and I said, "Well, Lord," as I saw that healing, I saw the floaters, and I said, "Well, well, what are you doing?" I saw the obvious that He said, "Dale, I'm healing everything that has to do with the eye today." There's going to be great eye miracles in this room. 
But a lot of people will be healed of floaters. And I'm telling you, some of you that have floaters right now, they're already gone. If you look into the lighted places, you'll say, you're right, preacher. I don't see them anymore because it's happening. It's all over this room, but it's more than floaters. People are going to have cataracts gone now in Jesus' name. Glaucoma leaves right now in Jesus' name. Every kind of eye problem, dry eye, whatever, allergies. There's miracles for eyes in the room. Very strong. Come on. If you need that miracle, here's what you need to do. One, you need to look and see because you probably already got it. If you haven't yet, reach up and grab it. Just take it right off the shelf, would you right now? Reach up and grab it. For I command healing across this room for eyes. I rebuke the spirit of blindness now in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ and release eyes. I say have full sight in your eyes. That means you that are colorblind, see colors properly right now. You that have cataracts, I clear now the lenses of your eyes and give you proper sight. In the name of the Lord, be delivered from glaucoma. I cause the pressure in your eyes to be normal and the damage now to be completely restored and healed. No more problems with retinas. Be healed in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Nearsightedness, farsightedness, astigmatism. Be changed now in the wonderful name of Jesus. No more allergies or dried eyes or tear duct problems be completely healed in Christ Jesus name every floater is dissolved dissolved and removed it can't be done any other way there's no surgery that can do this there's no no drug that can do it only the hand of God that's happening right now be cleansed in the in the vitreous humor of your eyes be healed right now in Christ Jesus name come on receive it receive it. There, there's way more miracles than eyes happening but I saw eyes I saw eyes. And then secondly, I saw it, and I saw it three times. I saw it three times. Come right in the front here, and then right in this second section over here like a stream come in. And it was for healing. I, now, when I saw it, it was for the neck, and it was specific. It was, let's see, it would be the right side of the neck. I saw the healing of God coming down for people that have pain and soreness and, and injury right here and this neck. And I said, okay, no. And I always ask God, what am I looking at? Because it's way more than what I'm seeing. So I look for the direction. I said, what am I looking at? He said, and he said, well, I, I said I see the right neck. And I see it in three places, three areas of the congregation. I saw the flow come in. And he said, well, it's actually anything to do with bones. You're seeing the neck. And there will be strong testimony there. What you're actually seeing is every kind of skeletal problem being healed. You may say to me, Dale, it's not my neck, it's my shoulder, or it's my lower back, or my knee, or I got it. I got it. What I, I saw it as a neck healing, but he said to me, it's anything to do with bones. And then later, as we were worshiping, right down this center aisle, I saw it in hands real strong. So I think there will be strong testimony of bones being healed, but particularly in necks and especially in hands as well. Arthritic conditions, stiffness where you can't open and close it, or maybe some kind of an injury you've had, but whatever kind of skeletal problem you've had. And that's a gift of God in my ministry. We see this happen every day, everywhere we go on the earth. It's the truth. Every day, everywhere on the earth. But I saw it today in necks, and I saw it in hands. But if you need a miracle of God in your bones, first of all, you just need to check it. Check it, because some of you can move that neck right now. Some of you don't have that pain in that jaw right now. You don't have that hip pain. Are you listening to me? Your knee's already free. Your hands already work. If you haven't gotten it yet, it's at tsunami level right now. It's strong here right now. Come on. Go for it right here in Jesus' name. Come on. Just put your hand wherever you've had that bone problem. And if it's all over, just say, Lord, take all of me right now. All of me right now. And I release you in Jesus' name from the arthritic spirit that's in this house. I drive it out in Jesus' name. Every one of you be free. That infirmity power I put out in Jesus' name. I'm going to tell you, be cleansed and healed in your bones. New joints right now. New cartilage, receive that in Christ Jesus' name. Take yours. I'm going to take mine right now, Lord. I'm taking mine right now. Be healed in your back. 
Be healed in your wrists. Be healed in your elbows. Be healed in your shoulders. I saw it specifically in the neck and hands. Be healed in that way. No arthritis. No short legs. No bowed legs. You hear this? No stenosis of the spine. Now, wait, I'm going to hang there because the minute I said that, I felt that pull of God. I don't know what it was that Jesus felt or that lady felt, but I just felt something right now. And it was when I said stenosis of the spine, I open your spine up right now and heal your spine in Jesus' name. And command you to be free. Be free. I'm going to hang there. Come on. Someone's getting that one. Grab it right now. And it may be more than one. There's a flow real strong for that. Stenosis of the spine. Be healed right now in your spine. And be completely well. Completely well. By the word of God. Amen. Amen. Now, there's a lot more in the room, and here's what I want you to do. Wherever you got the need, because you say, Dale, mine's none of that, and my neck's fine. You know, I don't have any floaters. I'm fine. But maybe you got, maybe you got a kidney problem, a heart problem, a lung problem, maybe a stroke. Wherever you got a need, put your hand there. And I'm going to command by the word of the Lord healing to come to you from head to foot. So all over the room, wherever you need a miracle, put your hand there. If you got more than one need, just keep your hand moving. I'm going to start at the top, and I'm going to go down. I may or may not say your thing because I'm not literally calling out words of knowledge. I'm speaking words of power is what I'm doing. But I'm not calling out words of knowledge. If I get one, I'll say it. But that's not what I'm doing. I'm just speaking out words of power. So if you say, well, Dale, you didn't say my thing. I don't have to say your thing. I'm saying the name that's above every name. Did you hear that? That's not a cute statement. I'm telling I'm saying the name that's above every name. So if I don't call your thing out by its medical name, don't you worry about it. We're declaring the name that brings healing from head to foot right now. So for right all over, all over this room, I'm starting in the head. Be healed now in Jesus' name. Be healed right now. Not even to your scalp, be healed. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. Ladies that have lost hair, receive it back again right there. Receive it. The gift of God comes and brings life in your scalp. Be healed in your head. No more brain problem. That means no stroke, no Parkinson's. Do you understand this? No migraines. Be healed in your head in Jesus' name. You that know how to pray, you need to be praying with me now. Pray these things right out. Pray them right out with me. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in power. I command light to come to your eyes, hearing to your ears in Jesus' name. I rebuke, listen to me, I rebuke ringing in the ears, deafness, frequency loss. Be healed in Jesus' name. Have good hearing. Come on. And your sinuses be well. Someone just got a miracle. I believe that now in the sinus. Mine just opened up and they weren't closed. I just felt like a menthol breath go right through them. I believe someone just got a miracle in their sinuses. In their, you, you that got it, you need to ask me, Lord. Grab that one and own it right now. If you've dealt with allergies or problems in your sinuses, a miracle just happened in this room in the sinuses for people. And it's not just a feel better. It's a permanent cure. Be healed in Jesus' name. By the word of God, be healed in your mouth and in your jaws. Behold, I say be healed in your neck and your throat. Be completely well. The word of the Lord commands healing in your throat and in your neck. In Jesus' name, in your chest, be completely healed. Come on, I'm working from head to foot. Are you working with me? Keep going there. Keep going there. Put your hands there if that's where you need it. In your heart, be healed. Your lungs, be healed. No pressure, no nerve pressure. Be completely healed in that chest all the way through. Circulation, be healthy. And the core, be healed. Your stomach, your liver. Mm-hmm. Your kidneys, your bladders be healed. No more diabetes. I say to pancreases, come alive and work right now in Jesus' name. Balance that blood sugar properly. It cleanse your liver again. I say be whole in Christ's name. I'm going to tell the intestines to be healed. All the digestive checking, all the way down your legs. All the way down your legs. No circulation problems. No knee problems. No knee problems. Did you hear this? Did someone just hear that? I know I'm not talking about my voice. Did you hear that right there? Something just rang in your spirit when I said, no knee problems. That's your witness of God. Something on the inside said, that's mine. That's for me. That was for me. There's more. There's a greater voice speaking than the voice you hear on the microphone right now. 
He's in this room. Be healed in your knees and in your feet. Be completely well. No neuropathy. I'm going to tell also uh, fibromyalgia to be gone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I see inflammation being healed right now, and particularly on the bottom of feet. Now, this is a witness, not just a word of power being spoken. Uh, like a plantar fasciitis, be healed of that right now in Jesus' name. You'd have had pain in your feet. You know what I'm talking about. It's yours right now. Grab it and have it in Jesus' name. Have it right now in Jesus' name. Know it. You can, te- you can tell it. There's a witness in you. The pain goes, whatever. Something's going on. Even if you weren't hurting at the moment, something on the inside will say it's yours or you feel that power of God. Now, I don't know that we can... Well, here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to do. I don't know if we can take each one individually. I don't know that we have to, but we need to do this. We need to lock it in. Someone shout, lock it in. Jesus asked a simple question, who touched me? Here's what I'm asking for. I'm not asking for people who believe it. I, I, I like that you believe it. I'm not asking for that, though. I'm, not, I'm asking only for those who can say to me, Dale, I believe he touched me. Something happened that I can identify. You understand what I'm saying? Well, maybe it was a witness on the inside, because possibly the thing that you're dealing with would require a battery of examinations to know. And you could say, well, I could know in a month. No, you can know right now. You can know right now. You can go ahead and have the test, but you can know before the test what you got. Because something happened here. You felt that power of God, that witness of God. Or maybe you're one with the floaters and it's gone. You can move that neck right now. Please move your neck, move your shoulders, move your back. If there's a change in there, whatever pain in your hip, maybe something else, your heart pressure has gone. Here's what I'm asking. Who touched him? If you got that, then what we're going to do, and I don't know that we can do it one by one, but what we're going to do is we're going to have a witness moment. We're going to come to the witness stand. And we're going to give a testimony. It may not be verbal for all of us, but we're going to, in this, we're testifying. I got it. And we're going to cut the legs out from under the devil right here. All right? All right. And I'm going to grab some of you. I want to know exactly what happened. Would you come right now? Anyone, everyone that can say, I got one today, would you come right now? Come on, from all over the room. Come quickly. Come quickly. Come quickly from all over the room. I'm going to lay my hands on you, and I'm going to seal in what God has done. That's it. Come quickly from all over. There's way more than this. I know there's way more than this because I felt what was happening. From all over the room. From all over the room. Come right now. Come right now. Come close. Come standing right next to each other. That's it. That's it. I'm going to touch you. I'm going to seal it with you. See, when you say amen today, you're not going to say amen alone. I'm going to say it with you. Together before the throne of God, we're going to declare what he has done. Come from all over the room. There's still more. There's still more. Come up close. Come up close because there's people behind you in the aisles. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus. There's still miracles happening, too. Come on. They're still coming. Just come right up. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Come up, and we're going to lock this thing in. Now, here's what, here's what I want you to do. Look, I know I've gone a little long here. If you've got children, they need to be brought in the auditorium. You can feel free to grab them and bring them right back in if you want. If they feel like you got to go, I understand. But what I want to do is I want to lock in the miracle with everyone that is right here. There's a purpose why Jesus did what he did, and I want to do that, too, because I don't want anyone getting something today that the enemy is going to challenge tomorrow. So I want you to identify what he did. Don't don't say, i got a touch in my body. A touch in my body means nothing. You need to say what that touch was. I don't have the pain in my mouth anymore. I can see better with my eye. Anyone that got a miracle in their eye, would you wave at me right now? Who got a miracle with their eye? Did you, dear? Come close now. Now bring the piano way, way, way down because I want to hear what they just got. What happened with the eye? You can really... all right, so there was a difference in sight issue. No floaters. It was just your, your sight just came back to you. 
Good. I lay my hands on you and seal that right now. I seal that right now in the powerful name of Jesus. The powerful name of Jesus. Do you see what we're doing right there? And who else got a miracle in the eye? Who, who did? Who did? Who did? Yeah? What happened, boss? What, what took place? I just felt the warmness come down in my head and through my eyes, and, and I know I'm here. Come on. I'm, that's what I'm looking for right there. That's what I'm looking for, the witness, the power, the flow of God. Now you'll know it and see it. Those glasses, in fact, will begin to bother you. Behold, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm looking for someone that got a miracle in their bones. Anybody? Did you get the eye miracle? You, you did. What happened with your eyes? Uh-huh. in my eye. It hurt me so bad. And it feels better. That's right. Because when the Lord comes, the pressure leaves, doesn't it? That's the gift of God. Glaucoma is a heavy pressure in the eyes, like, like blood pressure problems. It's kind of like that. It's pressure within the eye. And the only thing that can change that is some drops that help keep it down that way. Sometimes they can draw a little bit of that out surgically, but they can't heal it. Only Jesus heals it. And he took you that from you today, then you'll never have it again. Never, someone say amen to that. Never again. Never again. Never again. Who got a miracle in their bones? In their bones? Did you? Your neck? I feel so much better. My neck, just excruciating pain. Did you get your grease job on that neck? Yes. Come on now. Then rejoice in the Lord with it, and you're whole in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, yes, sir. I got to tell you that for the last month and a half, my wrist has hurt me. My wife will tell you every day, night. And I claimed that when he said, name that miracle, and I have zero pain in my wrist today. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Someone needs to give glory to God. We're in the midst of miracles. It's not over with. It's still going on. It really is. It's still going on. It's still going. What happened to you, ma'am? Well, I just feel in my spirit that the Lord has told me that something I've been praying about, he will heal. All right. And I just believe he spoke to I'm me and told right me it's now, healed. Ma'am. I lay my hands on you because the witness of the one who is alive has come to you. Then that personal need that you have, that he is now healed, I say amen to. Someone shout amen with him on that. Amen. Can you tell me real quick what he did? Well, I was praying for a need in my family. And I had a crick in my neck this whole week. I went to the masseuse place in the mall yesterday and it worked on me for about 40 minutes and uh-huh. everything else cleared up but that couldn't turn it right oh, look at that. And, and and I think it's confirmation that the other is going to be okay Absolutely. and the family he gave me this as well come on so you got that right now and you can move that like you come on in Jesus name it's yours it's really yours it's really yours what do you do man can you tell me fast don't give me a long testimony just tell me what happened I couldn't move my neck really I'm like I'm turning it now and you can move it now. I can move it now in the name of Jesus. Now listen, if he's doing it now, then he's doing it forever. You got a new neck in the name of the Lord. Whole in Jesus' name. I believe it. Believe it. What do you do, buddy? Uh, I have a heart disease and a lung disease, and he just relieved me from that. No more heart disease and lung disease. I have been healed. Wow. Now, do you have a difference? I mean, was there pressure in there that's relieved, or how do you know? I can feel. I can breathe now. I can breathe. Yes, sir, with no stress. I think, I think you're getting it right there. Will someone say amen with him? I feel the heat of God on your chest right now the moment I touched you. In Jesus' name, live with wholeness. A new heart, new lungs. Show the difference. Real quick, dear, what happened? I had surgery. Uh, I had a total hip replacement. Okay. And when I came in here, I was in a lot of pain. The pain is 
leaving my body Come on. as we speak. It's happening right now, isn't it? See, she's doing the right thing. She's getting right in the middle of her miracle and saying, that's Jesus. He's doing it. Amen. Amen. I like that. I like that. What, can you tell me real quick what he did? Plantar fasciitis oh, yeah. for two months. I've suffered with that. Got up each morning, couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. Today I felt the Lord go through my legs. Yes, ma'am. And he touched my feet and he healed them. I can't tell you how much it hurt, but God is a Savior. Amen. He's a healer. Not he is. Yes. And, and you can feel the difference in your feet now, can't you? When I said I would get up and it felt like I couldn't walk just sitting there 30 minutes. Today, I didn't feel that pain when I stood up. I know God. Only Jesus. And if anyone's ever had that, you know what she's talking about. You can't sit like what she did, then stand up and not have the pain. Because when you've been resting for a while, then you get up and put pressure on him. Hurts like crazy, doesn't it? It's never again now for you. Never again. I'm telling you, the healer's working right here. He's working. Well, can I agree with you, Alma? What do you believe he did? I came in today with extreme pain in my shoulder, a nerve entrapment. Okay. And I felt heat come through my body and the pain has decreased tremendously I'm going to put my hand on it and say I believe it Lord come on would you rejoice with her because her healing's right there thank you for your gift thank you for new strength now releasing that nerve making it whole no one like Jesus can do this no one does it like you do Boy, there is power there. I can feel it. I can truly feel it. You got it, dear. It, it, and he's not a partway God. You got it. What, what do you do, buddy? Um, I have been praying about an OCD disorder that I've been struggling with since I was a kid. And um, basically, I've just been praying for healing for it for years now. And I just told God, I was like, this is the day, man. This is this it, man. Is you got it. that yes from heaven in there, don't you? Amen. That's what's important. There's that divine sense that we've entered in. I lay my hands on my brother and say, I go with that one. I go with that one right there. I say amen to that. Power in Jesus' name makes you different. You relax and behold. Yes, sir, what do you do? I had back surgery 10 years ago, so, and it left me with this left leg. Yeah, this left leg, and I, I can't walk. Unless I'm on Walker. Yeah. What's happening? It, it's uh, it's just, it's just uh, I can't walk. You believe God's doing something for your life? Yeah, I believe. I, I'm, I'm playing. Come on, would you go with them there? Can you handle that? Can you go with them there? Come on. Now listen to me. I lay my hands on you and create a miracle right now in your back, down your hip, your knee, your knees, your knees, everything about it. That there's healing in you. It shows and you know it. It happens in Jesus' name. It's the gift of God. Amen. 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 In Jesus' name. There you go. You got faith working in you, boss. I can see that right now. I can see that right now. Praise God. Whoa. Come on, someone worship with him for a minute. Because I believe the power of God is stirring his soul, healing his body. In the almighty name, Jesus. Now listen, you and I both, I want you to understand something. Neither you and I make it happen. You can't push it, but you can look for it and you can check it. Now you you must because we've touched God. I can sense the power of God on you. Do you keep looking right now? And I want you to show me more and more what he's doing, all right? All right, you're in the right spot for that. Now, I'm looking for someone who got a miracle. Did you get one today? What What do you believe you got? Well, I don't have any certain symptoms today, but 
probably 20, 25 years ago, they told me I had fibromyalgia. Okay. I've suffered with it for years. Numbness in my feet, fatigue. A few months ago, I started started shaking. And it's gotten worse over time. But I believe God touched me today. Just took it all the way. You know, when I said that, I felt the power of God in that very area. Is that the witness that came into you? That's the exchange of his power. It's the exchange of his power. I'm going to say, I know you said you didn't have any symptoms today, but, but what you did get is a Holy Ghost witness today. You understand what we're talking about? This is not crazy talk. That's how you know you're born from above. Am I right? Because you know by witness of the Spirit that you're saved. It's yours right now. Whole in Jesus' name. Whole in Jesus' name. What do you do, dear? What happened? Floaters. When you call it out floaters, that's the first thing you call it out. And I feel like a, a, a lightning bolt or something yeah. go through me. I had been I had been claiming it the whole time you were preaching. But for you to call it out, it just was overwhelming. And I thank God that he healed me. Yes, I, I don't see the black spots everywhere. And if you know anything about them, they don't come and go. They, they all... It is it's part of the inside of the eyeball that has broke free the the, uh, the cellular structure and it's and it's matter floating around in the fluid of the eye. That's what it is. So it's not like a pain that sometimes there, sometimes it's better. It's broke off and it's in there and there's no way to get it out. They'd have to drain all the fluid out of your eyeball and they'd get the floaters out, but you'd have no eyeball, so that wouldn't be a good deal for them to go. For them to go, you can't see them. Yeah. Only when that can happen is the hand of God. I believe we just got one right here. Would you say amen? Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Uh, we only got three sitting here or four. Can I just real, real quick? What happened? Just, just what I got. Amen. Somewhere when you were talking, I caught cold. Genesis coming home. I got a healing too, but Genesis coming home. You believe it's yours, don't you? I'm going to have to walk there with you right now and say it's so in Jesus' name. It's yours in the name of the Lord. Rest in it. Love him for it. In Jesus' name. There's power in this. Heaven hears this, and the devil's frustrated. What did he do? It was my eye. So that was the first thing that you called out. And the whole service, I've been having to to dry this eye. And so when you spoke that, I received it. And I have not touched my eye since then. So you've healed it. Jesus healed that. I'm going to say amen to that eye healing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. What did he do? I had a lot of pride in my back, yeah. in my ear, and I knew y'all praying me. And, and did Jesus take care of that for you today? No pain in that back? But you came with pain, and it's not there now? Yeah, in my ear, it's a lot better, but... Okay, was it infection or loss of hearing? It's a lot ringing. Oh, yeah, the ringing in the ears. And you can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. She can hear the difference, and there's no pain now in her body. I believe she got a miracle. Amen. 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 Were you here for that reason, too, or are you just standing? Well, bad shoulder. But Daddy prayed for me a few weeks ago, and the pain is gone, but it's still, still all right. Do you believe God's giving you that shoulder new? Uh, then I laid my hands on you that you just hold on to new because it's the promise. Amen. Amen. Now you just do that. How about you, dear? Do something? Yes, I have bad back problems and lung and heart and some family issues. I'm claiming it. Tell me what he did. I don't have any pain. 
right. in my back. Okay. Well, that's a good start right there. You see, you need to grab That's what he was asking of a lady. What in the world happened there? And she told him all the truth. It was locked in. Now, if he's taking your pain, I think he's taking your problem. Come on. In Jesus' name. And I believe it's a witness unto all the rest, too. In the name of the Lord. May God do something for these children? What is What's, what's the Lord doing here? Help me out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not a problem. The Lord is good for this. He's good for this. Amen. Just her. The other two need something. I lay my hands on you, young lady, because this is the day of your miracle, the day of your encounter with Christ. I touch you in his name and say, be changed, be whole, be free right now. I reach in and minister this to you in your spirit, in your mind, in your brain, your body, and make you whole. In Christ's name, amen. May the blessing be upon this whole house, the gift of God upon them, each one, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. There's a great man of God. He's gone on to heaven now. His name was Lester Summerall. I had the privilege of ministering with him near the end of his life. He used to work with Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody ever read about Smith Wigglesworth? He was an older gentleman. I'm talking about not what Wigglesworth, the guy I worked with. He told me he was sitting in his service one day. This guy ministered all over the earth, built great churches, had great power with God. But he saw sitting in church one day, and people had been ministered to, and they were testifying. And someone got up and said, Lord, has delivered me from smoking. I've been a chain smoker for multiple years, multiple years. He said, but today God delivered me, and I'll never smoke again. And the house was saying, praise God. And he said, and I was sitting there as the pastor, and I said, well, that's really nice, really nice. But why don't you come back in about a week and tell me how you're doing? I mean, chain smoker? Okay, I hear Come back in about a week and let me know. Another one got up and said, I've been diagnosed with cancer. They said I had six months to live, but the power of God came to me today, and I know I believe I'm completely healed of cancer. And he said, well, I'm sitting there saying, well, that's nice, Lord. Amen. He said, but you know what? Why don't you go to your doctor and get a report, come back, and then let's hear more about what God has done. And he's right about then the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said to him, his name was Lester, Lester Summerall. He said, Lester, he said, you really don't believe the gospel, do you? But he said, he told me this when he was about 73 years of age and we were sitting at dinner together. He said, the Lord said to me, Lester, you don't really believe the gospel, do you? He said, what, Lord? He said, these people are testifying to what I say in my book that I do, but you're not willing to believe it until someone else says it. So you don't really believe the gospel, do you? I can't tell you how quiet it was at the table at that moment. And then he looked at me and he said, I repented right there. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I will believe the gospel. When someone declares something that your word says you do, my first thought isn't going to be, let's wait for a week and see or let some other man look at it and tell me if it's so. I'm going to say right there on the spot, you are God and what you have said has come to pass. I didn't say it. And then he told me this. He said, the day I did that, my ministry jumped to a whole nother level. But I remember as I sat at that table with him that day in Notre Dame University uh, uh, cafeteria. I said to myself, I didn't say it out loud because he was still talking, but I said, Dale Everett, you will believe the gospel. And when someone declares the praise of God in keeping with what his word says he does. Now, I know people say stuff that is not even like Jesus. And they say God told them this or God did that. I don't buy into that garbage. But when, when someone says something... That the holy word of God says he does. My first response is going to be, yeah, 
That sounds just like Jesus. That sounds just like Jesus. And I know that's happened for many of you in this room today and, and more than what has stood in this front because some of you are going to find your miracle as you go. Literally, you need to keep looking. But before we go, and here's what God told me to do. He told me, Dale, don't ever close the healing service. He told me that when I was 16 years old. Don't you ever close it. I've been in it about a year. He said, don't ever close the healing service. I said, Lord, you mean I've got to keep them there all day long? He said, no, you may dismiss people, but don't you ever close what I have begun. And so, you know, I don't think it's wrong for people to have closing songs or closing prayers or close the service. This is what he spoke to me, particularly in, in reference to the healing services. And so for the 40-some years I've been doing this, I've never closed a healing service. Today, here's what we're going to do. Before we leave, I think I'd like to give him one more big shout of praise for what he's done. Come on, because he has done great things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for healing people. Thank you for healing eyes today, removing floaters. Thank you for healing necks and and wrists and backs. All over this house, you have worked miracles, and you're yet working miracles. I give you thanks for that. I give you praise for who you are. I honor you, the only God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.